0: Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Samir Gadir of Young the Giant. Uh, it's a wonderful chat. Um, I speak to him from his home in the states, and we talk about the new record, and we talk about well, we talk about all the stuff we always talk about, all the all the kind of records that have been important in the guest creative journey Um, before we get on with that chat um a quick thank you um big thanks to scroobius pip everyone at the distraction pieces network it's a wonderful home for podcasts go check out all the other pods that you can listen to over there um big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast and huge love always goes to you lot for listening to the podcast thank you so much for continuing to support of the beaten track 444 episodes i had a little cat up today amazing Uh, And, yeah, anyone that's been on that journey uh, or is just joining that journey, if you are, where have you been? 444 episodes. Never mind. Never mind. You're here now. Um, But when you finish listening to today's episode with Samir, go check out the back catalogue afterwards because you can hear stacks and stacks and stacks of chats. You can hear me talking to Indie darlings such as Interpol, The Killers, uh, Suede, Idols. Uh, you can hear me talking to Rock Royalty like Motley Crue and the Foo Fighters. Uh, and you can hear me talking to super producers like Butch Vig and Fatboy Slim. Uh, loads of all your favourite actors and comedians. There's like I say, there's 444 episodes, so go get stuck in. Um, and best deal, just subscribe. If that's not enough and you want to get them episodes up front and you want to get access to radio shows and playlists and all sorts of other bits and pieces, and you want to watch all the episodes, you can do that over on Patreon. And that's going to cost you $1 a month. Dollar a month, that's not bad, is it? Um, whatever that works at. 20p a week. Um, but yeah, that 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 dollar goes in the pot to uh, to to pay for the production to ensure you still get two free episodes every week on your usual listening platforms. Um, you can find out about that and everything else um, at your one-stop shop, which is offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. i tell you what, I know why you're here. It's not me trying to hard sell you the, uh, the Patreon sign-up. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. With Young the Giant. Sorry, ladies and gents, I've just got to jump in quickly and tell you that this podcast is proud to be in partnership with Hotel Chocolat. That's right. Hotel Chocolat, those people that make all the delicious chocolatey stuff, right? They have been my partner now for close to two years and I can't thank them enough. Um, and one way that I can kind of help them is by telling all you lot about what they're up to. You know all about the chocolate stuff because you you go and get your chocolates from there. But some of you like a little tipple of booze, right? So if you do, you need to check out their velvetized cream range. So what they've done is they've got loads of all your favorite spirits. And then they've added their lovely chocolatey, magic-y stuff to it. So you can get like, uh, my favorite's the mint chocolate one. Go check out their mint chocolate velvetized cream because it is delicious. The salted caramel one will blow your socks off as well. There's loads. You need to go and check out uh, the alcohol range that um, Hotel Chocolat do. And I'm proud to tell you that this podcast is in partnership with Hotel Chocolat. Go check them out. But right now, get back to the podcast. <music> It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces
1: Network Keep me, with it
0: Okay, we are recording, Samir. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm, no one ever asks me how I'm doing. Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. <laughs> it's a like very, very American
1: of me, I think. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Where are you today? I'm in Los Angeles. It's uh, 9 a.m. right now here. So it's about 6 p.m. over there, yeah. something like that yeah quick maths but um yeah it's good and life is good how about you
0: good stuff yeah yeah i'm, I'm all right the day starts is like my last bit of work today so the day's starting to wind down which is nice i can finish it on a chat about records which is one of my favorite things to do so uh. perfect okay right samir i'm going to kick off your playlist and i would like you to tell me please the song that you regard as having the greatest ever <coughs> intro please
1: I'd say I have to have to say beat it by Michael Jackson. And so much of it is subjective and based on, you know, your memories of first listening to songs, but you know, when that, that synth bass kicks in the kick in the snare. I just, it transports me back to my childhood. And, um, it's one of those a uh, cop out, but it's, you know, it's true for me.
0: Oh, it's not a cop out. You know what I've done four i will seen today, I've done 444 episodes, and no one's ever said that, and I don't know why, because it is a monster, isn't it? It
1: is. It truly is. It was between that or bobby O'Reilly, to be honest, but I'm oh, sure everyone said that.
0: Do you know what? I, I, <laughs> I literally, I saw Pearl Jam the weekend before last in London, uh, and they bought out Johnny Marr for the last song, oh, and wow. they played Barbara O'Reilly, and it was huge. It was so yeah. good. <laughs> and no one's chose that either. It's, uh, it's, wow. it's, it's crazy. Wow. So, i mean the thing we've i I think we've beat it it's it just it still takes a while for the payoff because you get that bong bong and then you get that snare and it's like oh it's so good and that's before you've got the riff and then the riff comes and it's like oh strapping like this is you're on a ride now yeah it's just the
1: patience you know They, they allow the listener to go into a just journey you know and um, it's as a creator as a write- songwriter it can feel scary to to leave that space open for so long but that's exciting
0: well that's that's kind of a question that i like to ask songwriters um and and looking at the trends in how you know people consume their music now via you know younger people using things like tiktok and uh, and and everybody's clamoring to get on sort of Spotify playlist. And it feels that like, unless you grab them in them first three seconds, you're getting lost. You know, you're not taking beat into a record company building. If you're a pop artist anymore, cause you're going to get, no. you're going to get laughed out the door, which yeah. it, it feels crazy to say these things, but I just want to know how any of them kind of things filter through to your creative process when you're writing,
1: you know, for me, for the most part, the intros is something that I agonize over, but it's usually at the very end. It's a bit at the very end because, you know, I want to get the meat and potatoes in. I want to figure out, the, you know, what the melody is, what the song is about, um, what instrumentation is going to take us there. But, um, you know, I try not to just <clears throat> have my process be affected by the way that people consume things. But, because I know also that you know it could be the three seconds of the intro, it could be three seconds in the bridge, it could be three seconds in the post. you know it's just one of those things, but um it's something that does that does come in for me, and it's um it's an extremely important thing um maybe I should be doing it earlier, I think' because you get a little tired after <laughs> after a certain point, I should probably start doing it earlier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's weird. I, I think like uh, sometimes when I speak to sort of more mainstream pop writers, like they, they 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 basically approach it as like a science, which feels crazy, you know. It's like well, and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong, you know. What you know, yeah. different things for different people, but the fact that so many because people generally come at this question with with, with two ends. It's either like oh, help by the Beatles, bang, help, you're in. And like, mm-hmm. or yeah. you go for a Barbara O'Reilly or a Bahamian Rhapsody or, or something. That's, that's very interesting. You know, and, and it is, I always find it quite, quite intriguing as to like, if people just go, right, I want it straight away or I'll, yeah. I'll, I want, I want the journey and then I want the payoff, you know? Yeah, but. exactly. I'm,
1: I'm, more, I'm more of the journey person. That's for sure.
0: You and me both, payoff. brother. You and me both.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm going to take you back for track two uh samir and i'm gonna ask you please to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please
1: yeah you know um i think you know when i was in when i was about nine or eight my father would take me to you know these cd listening bars and that was a thing back it's not that long ago but you know cds um and I remember um, I'd always get those coupons, the weekly newsletters on like what was discounted. And I just really was intrigued by the album art of the bands. And so I, uh, I actually ended up listening to OK Computer because at this point, I, I mean, I was it was 97, 98. You know, OK Computer come at 94. So it had already been around. I didn't even know it existed. I was living in my own, you know, little elementary school bubble Southern California and I um I heard um it was an airbag for the first time. The first song off that record ended. it just blew me away I you know I had at that point been writing some music and um, my dad was so um passionate about music that I was there was always stuff in the house but it was that once it was one of those songs that it was like, "Oh wow, this is for me." You know, my my my, my dad might not into this he ended up being into it but you know uh it was that and then i think when i was like seven or eight i think i heard in my place by coldplay as well and that was one of those ones i was like oh shit and that was like one of those beats those that drum beat it's such a simple drum beat but it's actually like the drum beat that you learn to separate rhythm and and that's the drum beat that i learned to how to play drums you know and i was like 10 or so um you know just separating the kick from the snare that was like um but yeah that was a that was an emotional moment for me as well.
0: if you had to sort of pinpoint the the emotion that you got <laughs> as a young lad here in Airbag because that's a fucking heavy record, man,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a very heavy. I think you'll probably see with the rest of this playlist. um I enjoy sad songs, they make me feel really happy and really good, and i it's kind of inexplicable, but that feeling. At that moment, it was just kind of like this boundless possibility almost. It was like, because I'd been already playing a bit of music, it was just, i had never heard anything like that before. Mm. You know, I'd never heard the drum sound that way. I'd never heard the guitar sound that way. And it just opened up this like whole dimension of emotion that like I had, had not experienced in music and it was very cathartic, you know, it wasn't as, I didn't even know that, okay, this is about Tom. He had a, you know, a car crash and this is like this very traumatic moment for him. <laughs> um, I tend to understand I know all the lyrics to all my favorite songs but I don't even think about the lyrics. <clears throat> I remember them phonetically. Maybe that's because I think of my voice as an instrument too. So I can sing along to that song but I sometimes I you know it's maybe like and then randomly I like listen to it and then actually understand what I'm saying like oh th- this is really heavy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And do you know what? Like, you go back and you listen to OK Computer now. You know, however many years you know later, that record still sounds like it's been from outer space. It sounds like nothing else. And like, it's true. I, I, I would have been like, I think I've about 19 when that come out and you know i was obsessed with guitar music at that point and when that come out i can vividly remember i still lived with my parents i was sitting on my bed and i think it was when um ah, oh, what's the song where right at the end that the big drums go and it builds and builds and builds and builds oh god what's it called uh,
1: um, electioneering it no
0: it's slow um oh balls what's it called um Oh, it's gonna drive me mad now. There's probably listeners <laughs> screaming there. Uh, off uh,
1: off okay computer.
0: Yeah. Um exit music. <laughs> uh,
1: exit music, okay.
0: Um oh, when that came in, I remember sitting on my bed and literally speaking out loud, going shit. Like I I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is like different level. <laughs> like yeah. it, it, it absolutely blew my tiny mind then. And and like you say, however many years later, you go back and the weight of that record is still really heavy, and it's you know it 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 delivers still massively.
1: Truly, truly does. I still go back to that record.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that um, your father was into music, and uh, and <clears throat> tell me a little bit about home. Like where was it, and and when you say sort of you know musical, was was there instruments laying around? Was your you, was your family musical? Was it just records on? If so, what sort of records were being played?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think my dad always wanted to be a musician. I just didn't think he saw the opportunity for him. You know, he, was, he moved from my, my mother and my father moved from India in 1984 to Michigan, uh, in the States. And my grandmother, his, my dad's, uh, my dad's mother was a professional singer when she was uh, 16, she was being scouted to sing all these like Bollywood things. And, uh, but then, you know, she had the pressure of, uh, family and all that stuff so she kind of like deferred all of her dreams and so um my dad it was kind of a mixture he was a tabla player so he's a great percussionist he has a great sense of rhythm he has a great sense of melody so there were there were drums around the house um and there was a bit of bollywood there was a bit all that but you know he was really into pink floyd at the time that obviously the british invasion had hit india and really never left for you know for like three decades so it was that. It was the Beatles, obviously. And then, you know, Michael Jackson was popping off at that point, too. So um, and, and Queen, obviously, as well, but just knowing he's like, oh, you know, like Freddie Mercury is Indian. And I was like, oh, that 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 blew my mind. So um, those were the things like any you know, of those big tentpole artists of the of the 80s, 90s and stuff that I I grew up listening to. And it was just kind of like my dad would come back from work and just blast the speakers. And we'd be listening to music for like, you know, before dinner for like two, three hours. And uh, he'd be like, Samir, you can dance if you want. I'd always be dancing, you know, and stuff like that. So it's you know.
0: (laughs) So cool. Um, Let's stay in the formative years for track three. And I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please.
1: Well, if it, if it was high school, um, then it would, it would be Angelus by Elliot Smith. And um, Elliot Smith, I think, you know, he would have turned, I think, 56 or 58 yesterday, the other day. Um, and I, this goes back to the the same thing of, uh, you know, really sad music makes me extremely happy. And um, Elliot Smith is also one of those, was one of those just amazing guitarists where, like, it's like, oh, are you playing three instruments at once? Like, how are you doing this? And then I saw video. I'd see videos of him. Because, you know, I was all these artists are, you know, like old artists and they'd passed away before. I think I even discovered him or he had just passed. And I think all the emo kids in my school were all listening to Elliot Smith. And I remember I was dating this girl who had a really great taste in music and um, she like got turned me on him and I just was obsessed. Um, But he was playing all those things like, just like this, it was absolutely insane. And so, so that song reminds me of just kind of like sitting with the, you know, the crowd, like the kind of the email crowd during lunch and just kind of like sharing headphones and and listening to Elliot Smith. Wonderful. (laughs) Did you enjoy school? I did. I did actually, surprisingly. Um, Maybe not surprisingly. It was was a good place for me. Um, Where I lived was uh, pretty open. There was just a bunch of, it was very diverse and it was kind of like what people did and Music was a huge deal, right? So Rage Against the Machine had just come out of uh my hometown. Um and a band called Thrice as well, who maybe you're um have heard of maybe not have heard of, Their post hardcore yeah, yeah, bands. So that, was, so that was like a big thing, right? And um we were like after school, you know, there were these um school programs and battle of the bands in um that would all these artists from different schools would kind of compete. And um I started playing, you know, I would start playing shows you know, by the time I was 14 or 13. And so that was kind of my life. And that was, that bled so much into, uh, into my school experience as well. Was that sort of,
0: you know, that desire to create music and stuff, was that encouraged at school?
1: Yeah, most definitely. It was most definitely encouraged. Um, Yeah, I think the reason why, uh, where I grew up was so diverse was because, you know, the public school system was very good. And so, you know, they had a, they're kind of hippies, you know, Southern California, there were no walls in classrooms or they had like these like portables. And, you know, it was just, everyone was like, you know, music is very important for, for understanding. And we've, we've tried to give back um, to the, you know, music funds of Irvine that in California, where we live, because, you know, we're products of that environment. I just, you know, I grew up playing violin when I was like seven or eight, and obviously the recorder with hot cross buns, like American Canon, I don't know if in in, in England what you guys uh, uh if they make you play any instruments like a recorder when you're like seven years old, but uh <laughs> Always a recorder. Always a recorder.
0: Um, was was there ever any sort of question as to what you wanted to do? Was was you, you say you was playing already at sort of 13, 14. was was that mm-hmm. you know, did that seem like a viable option as a career?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't think about it too much. One in part was because, you know, I hadn't, to be honest, you know, never really seen anyone who was Indian who was in the type of music that I really liked. And uh, um, one thing I did know was that it was it was something that I was really good at. Um, it was something that uh, was came very easily to me, very naturally to me, whereas um, in a lot of things in my my life that I, I did excel in, I I tried, I was really trying and music was this thing that was a feeling. And, um, um, so, you know, I actually ended up, get, I went to Stanford university for human biology and, uh, fiction writing. And that was my goal. I actually, at the point of leaving for school, I had already gotten this potential record offer with, I think, um, Hollywood records. Um, essentially we were this young band that was playing at Disneyland. Um, it was a different lineup, but it was more or less kind of this group that I'm still in and, they wanted us to. They were kind of pushing us to kind of be like the Jonas Brothers of that time, and I, I think that I, that wasn't really resonating with me. Um, and so I decided to go to school. And I, yeah, I was just like, yeah, I, I don't. You know, music is something I love. I don't know if it's something I want to make my job. And and then it just kind of fell into my lap. Um, halfway through college, I decided to leave because the EP that we'd made was starting to pick up steam, and and you know, this kind of the rest just happened.
0: How did that feel when, when you, you know your EP gets picked up on, and all of a sudden, you know, things. like the wheels are starting to turn in, in a very, very tough, you know, industry.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it's obviously extremely validating, you know, and, uh, you know, you, everyone has these, these moments and connectivity to their imagination and being able to communicate what you're feeling to people is a very important thing. Um, I think in, in any way, if it's music or, or through any medium, it's like, if, and if people are resonating with what you're feeling, it's, it's, it feels so validating. And at the time, you know, we were so young and the scene was so, so cool back then. I mean, we were just at the, the era of, you know, Interpol and the strokes and uh, like Kings of Leon was like the biggest artist in the world. They yeah. weren't just the biggest rock band. They were like the biggest artists yeah. and, you know, alternative rock, indie rock music was really making a cultural impact and it just was such a great time to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. A real golden era. I was I was really lucky I got to speak to Daniel from Interpol on the podcast yesterday. And uh and was doing my best not to to get overexcited <laughs> and fanboy out. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm going to ask you for track 4 please Samir to um tell me the first song you remember buying from a record store.
1: Yeah, so you know, I think it was uh, to be fair it was, it was a it was a record. You know, and, uh, you know, everyone kind of, no one ever says the embarrassing one, right? Like everyone says like, oh, "Oh, I I only
0: want the embarrassing ones, man.
1: (laughs) Well, I think, I think it was, it was funny because it was the same CD listening bar. And I I, I had like, it was two records that, or three records that I like, at that point, I still was like, dad, like, can you buy this for me? And it was like, one was like, take off your shirt, pant and jacket, like blank 182. The other one was like a Green Day record and then the American Idiot or something. And then the third one was Papa Roach, the one with the the, the freaking roach on it. And my dad allowed me to get the one with the roach on it. And so like, the Papa Roach was like the first, uh, I think the first record I technically bought. I remember just listening to that, you know, that cut my life into pieces song. Like, you know, like this goes hard. I think that was probably, you know, the first one.
0: I mean... That that track is last resort, isn't it? Like
1: that. Yeah, last resort. It's a great song. Yeah, it's that holds
0: song. up, doesn't it? Like it's it does. Uh, it's still a it's still a banger. That it's timeless. <laughs> um, as you sort of you know got a little older and be touring and stuff like that, and in different towns and things like that, how important did did the, you know did record stores become for you then? Would you, would you always or if you was out and about, duck into a record store? Tell me about your relationship mm-hmm. with with the record stores.
1: It's interesting. Um, record stores for me, uh, maybe it's because I didn't have access to it. Um, it was something that always felt expensive. You know, I didn't really have the, 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 the spending money, or I never thought to spend my money on this thing, right? It wasn't a part of my culture or it wasn't a part of the tradition of what even my parents were doing, but, what was happening really, and this obviously dates me, but also, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty young. I mean, it was like when I was coming out, coming up and really getting into music, I mean, it was it was all P2P sharing stuff. Right. So it was all like Kazaa and LimeWire. And unfortunately, I mean, I obviously later on, you, you understand the true value. And now we've so heavily devalued what people yeah. do at that point it was starting to be devalued. So, you know, it would, but it w- really was for me, it was like mining like after school going to the blogs and then like just mining Kazaa or LimeWire or whatever the hell and finding these ripped versions of, of records. And I think it was only after, um, I'd put out my own records and, and w- went to the record store. And It was a part of a generation I think that I had just missed. And then I, you know, I started really getting into it. Um, in my 20s probably and you know obviously like uh amoeba music and in in hollywood that was when we were making our first album we were living in hollywood and i think i went there you know once every other day um and just kind of like combed through things and so it's it it holds a special place for me now but it's something that wasn't there immediately when i was coming up
0: Okay. I'm going to ask you for track five, please, to tell me about the song that soundtracked your years clubbing.
1: I'd have to say um, there's like that touch it technologic um, song. There was like a mashup from the Daft Punk Alive album in 2007. And that reminds me so much of those years. It was like, you know, the end of high school, uh, into college, um, Coachella was still popping. It was like the thing; like, all the big artists, all the cool artists playing. And I remember Daft Punk had had uh, had performed, and it was just like it echoed into this into the internet. I mean, it was just like an absolutely insane thing. And uh, that alive record was just like the soundtrack to going out. I think for me, for for years.
0: Yeah, that's a huge record as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I am going to take you home for track six. And uh, and I'd like Mm -hmm. you to tell me uh, a favorite song from an artist from your home County, please.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because a lot of what I'm doing for this new record, American Bollywood is kind of like trying to piece together the influence of like Indian music, classical music, Bollywood music, forties and fifties into psychedelia, sixties and seventies into grunge music, eighties and nineties or hair metal briefly nineties. And, uh, I've been kind of like piecing through like the things that the interconnectivity of like surf rock music and, and like, and psychedelia. And one of the artists that I've been going back to who I didn't um, really, my parents grew up listening to him a lot is Mohammed Rafi. He was the sound of Bollywood really in the sixties and seventies. Um, and there's a lot of surf rock influence. There's a lot of stuff that you can connect into the world of like even old Hollywood Sinatra and South America, Bossa Nova music. And there's this, particular song that i think has been it's pretty famous now it's been synced a couple times on some western films um, it's this song called john pei Chanho. ho um, like uh it's by muhammad Rafi, and it is uh it's a great song it's yeah. just like a great surf rock tune
0: yeah. yeah it's got a real urgency to it
1: it really does yeah
0: so tell me about you you, you mentioned there for the new record that you know you you sort of trying to Weave together these 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 different movements in music and 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 these genres and trying to find a sort of a line that that, that goes through them. How how do you sort of go about doing that? Hmm.
1: You know, it's a it's a mix because you know you don't ever want um any piece of art to feel like overwrought and overthought. And so it's it's a part a part of it is just kind of like really digging into the subconscious influences that are, already exist in me, the things that excited me about what I grew up listening to and how that connects to everything that yeah. I still listen to. And, um, so it, it, it was kind of just like a theme in my life that I, then I just started to kind of pick it up like, Oh, you know, like, Hey, um, Fortet just did a thing with Tom York and Fortet is half Indian and Tom York loves using Eastern scales. I realized, you know, that so much of what I loved about Tom York's um, singing and melodies is that so much of it is Eastern scaling. Um, that reminds me of like really, um, just classical like Indian music. And so, uh, I was, is taking me there and then I was just kind of, you know, getting really, um, interested in, uh, I was trying to change people's notions that, you know, alternative music in America is its own bubble that exists there. And is it's cut off from the rest of the world in some way is that, you know, this even the Beatles and everything that that went after afterwards um, has so much to do with where I come from, and it's just trying to find those roots for me yeah. to to like to sh- to show uh, you know where my thought process is going. So it, you know it's it's kind of like something that was natural.
0: Yeah, and was that something that you you, you know you spend the time kind of sort of piecing that together? Was, was was lockdown kind of keen in in having the time to sort of explore these things?
1: Totally, lockdown was was so important. Um, it's. Uh, I, I tend to listen to my a lot of my music during drives, and um, uh, I, I wasn't driving as much, but I I was my wife was pregnant during that time, and so I was always running errands, or I was always like cleaning the house and uh, just doing things, and I would always have my headphones in, and I was just kind of like going down a deep deep rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> nice. I'm gonna. I'm going to take you home uh, for, for uh, sorry, I'm not going to take you home. I'm going to ask <laughs> you to be a tastemaker uh, for track seven. Um, mm-hmm. And this is your chance to introduce someone to something new. So uh, Samir, can you tell me please a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear,
1: please? Yes. There's an amazing artist named Spilltab, and uh, she has a new record out, a new song out called Splinter. And it's just beautiful. So well done. And um, she's a part of this, uh, she was on this show that I have as well. It's on Sirius XM Alt Nation um here in the States. And it's essentially like an artist spotlight of um, just great artists of color within the genre of alternative music. And so she was one of my um, one of my artists, and I end up kind of interviewing them as well and listening to this this the show is called Point of Origin. So we kind of go into the point of origin that connects them to their music and connects them to their heritage and uh her story is just really interesting she grew up around rec- recording studios her whole life and um you know with those kids who are second generation musicians who like are still into it they're the best they're they're, they're like they're timeless you know yeah. geniuses You know, even like James Blake it's just it's amazing you know and so uh this this song you just can kind of see some of that genius and i'm excited to see what she does with the rest of her career yeah i i had a listen
0: uh when you sent your list over it's, it's a beautiful track yeah um the show that you do where you interview people and that outside of the U S can, can people access that?
1: You know, we're working on it right now. I I had a thing with uh, Pandora before and um, now we're just kind of figuring out a new phase of it, but uh, um, it'd take its time, but um, there's a whole archive of podcasts. It was a year's worth of stuff that I'll have out there soon. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, not just the last track, but all of the tracks um, we make available to people uh, via the accompanying Spotify playlist that we uh, always do to accompany this podcast. As 2022 is venturing into the second half now and the world seems far, far removed from the lockdown we just spoke about. And it feels that gigs are happening, festivals are happening, tours are happening, uh, people are back in studios. What can people expect from you for the rest of the year?
1: We'll have some limited appearances and performances in the fall. Uh, we're, we've released the first act of our record. It's a four-act series. The second act will be out in August, um, and we'll keep rolling them until about October. Yeah, and then I'll have some shows. Uh, not too many. We're just doing, like, you know, unfortunately, it's all the states right now. But the goal is to, to come back again in 2023 and, and be touring a little bit more internationally and, and just do more extensive touring. So uh, hope to see everyone very soon.
0: Wonderful! And if people want to keep up the speed with all of that, where's the best place to do that?
1: You know, just Spotify, Instagram, Apple Music, any of the any of the things. Um, and we're building our own, you know, our new website right now. It's all it's an interesting transition for us because we left our you know major record label. Now we we have our own record imprint. We are partners, obviously, with AWOL. but it's a new gen- It's a new uh, era for us. So um, it's exciting absolutely
0: samir it's been really lovely to talk records with you thank you so much for your time today mate thank you Stu. have a good one there you have it samir what a lovely guy um had a little natter afterwards it's always nice when you press stop and you come and have a little chit chat um and uh yeah smiles all round that's what i like a good chat about music and then everybody everybody's happy and uh yeah Love it, absolutely love it. Thanks ever so much for listening. Um, thanks again to Samir. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, go check out the back catalogue—hundreds and hundreds of episodes—and uh, I'll be back next time. I'll see you soon. Bye bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction
1: Pieces Network. With me, Stew, with it.